We're reading 1 Samuel chapter 14 from verse 24, which has been on the screen for a little while, so I hope you've had time to find it. Jonathan eats honey. Now the Israelites were in distress that day because Saul had bound the people under an oath, saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. The entire army entered the woods and there was honey on the ground. When they went into the woods, they saw the honey oozing out, yet no one put his hand to his mouth because they feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard that his father had bound the people with the oath. So he reached out the end of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it into the honeycomb. He raised his hand to his mouth and his eyes brightened. Then one of the soldiers told him, Your father bound the army under a strict oath, saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food today. That is why the men are faint. Jonathan said, My father has made trouble for the country. See how my eyes brightened when I tasted a little of this honey? How much better it would have been if the men had eaten today some of the plunder they took from their enemies. Would not the slaughter of the Philistines have been even greater? That day, after the Israelites had struck down the Philistines from Michmash and Ajalon, they were exhausted. They pounced on the plunder, and taking sheep, cattle and calves, they butchered them on the ground and ate them, together with the blood. Then someone said to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that has blood in it. You have broken faith, he said. Roll a large stone over here at once. Then he said, Go out among the men and tell them, Each of you bring me your cattle and sheep and slaughter them here and eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with blood still in it. So everyone brought his ox that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first time he had done this. Saul said, Let us go down and pursue the Philistines by night and plunder them till dawn. And let us not leave one of them alive. Do whatever seems best to you, they replied. But the priest said, let us inquire of God here. So Saul asked God, shall I go down and pursue the Philistines? Will you give them into Israel's hand? But God did not answer him that day. Saul therefore said, come here, all you who are leaders of the army, and let us find out what sin has been committed today. As surely as the Lord who rescues Israel lives, even if the guilt lies with my son Jonathan, he must die. But not one of them said a word. Saul then said to all the Israelites, You stand over there and I and Jonathan, my son, will stand over here. Sorry. Do what seems best to you, they replied. Then Saul prayed to the Lord, the God of Israel, Why have you not answered your servant today? If the fault is in me or my son Jonathan, respond with Urim. But if the men of Israel are at fault... Respond with Thummim. Jonathan and Saul were taken by Lot, and the men were cleared. Saul said, Cast a lot between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. So Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the end of my staff, and now I must die. Saul said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you do not die, Jonathan. But the men said to Saul, Should Jonathan die, he who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Never, as surely as the Lord lives, not a hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he did this day with God's help. 
So the men rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Morning, everyone. Here we go. So, as Di said, it's good to have questions, and um, that's some something that the scripture does. It stirs us to ask questions, and then sometimes some of the questions lead to wonderful discoveries, and other times the questions continue on for a while longer. And um, some of them we'll have to ask the Lord when we see him. So we're going to ask the Lord to apply to us what he wants us to know today. Thank you, Lord, for making yourself clear to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the exact image of the invisible God and the radiance of your glory. And as we look upon Jesus, we... We know you, we behold you, and we ask, Lord, that through the wrestling with this passage that we would come to know Jesus more closely and to trust him with um, all of our heart. Lord, I'm asking for myself that you would help me just to say what is helpful and that your people would be built up in their faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been going through this fantastic book of uh, 1 Samuel and I'm going to just recap for you where we've been so that what we're looking at today can fit, you can see where it fits in the larger story. So you might remember the, the king Nahash, whose name means serpent, from the north who was threatening and bullying and intimidating and seeking to humiliate God's people. Saul had already been identified by Samuel as king and this fellow Nahash made this terrible threat to gouge out the eyes of, of this uh, poor little ta- Israelite town. And uh, Saul got angry. It was really great. Saul got angry. And he said, you come with me. We're going to do something about this. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And he had this fantastic victory. And uh, Nahash was defeated. And Samuel seized that moment. And he said, since we've had this great victory, let's make Saul king properly. Because there'd been some grumblers who didn't think that Saul was much chop. So they reaffirmed Saul as their king. And Samuel gathered the people and he said, Well, I've got you all together. I want you to know that what you did when you asked for a king was a very bad thing. And you re- this was an expression of your rejection of God as your king. And um, he wanted them to truly repent of that. But now that they had their king, he wanted them to support their king and to obey the Lord as they supported their king. And so he said that he would continue to pray for them. And then Samuel went on his way and he left them with their new leader. So Saul chooses 3,000 men to be in his army and he's got 2,000 with him and 1,000 with his son Jonathan. And Jonathan picks a fight with the Philistines and he has this great victory. But it stirs up all the Philistines and the Philistines gather and they start to flex their muscles in the midst of Israel. And Saul blows the trumpet 
to gather the troops and the Philistines gather and there's 30,000 chariots, there's 6,000 horsemen and there's uncountable soldiers gathered. And it's a little bit like the story of Gideon with the Midianites. If you remember that story, the Midianites were gathered now like locusts across the land. And the Israelites were hiding away from the Midianites. Well, this is a similar situation. It says the Israelites were hiding in caves, in holes in the ground, uh, wedging themselves between rocks, um, cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan to get away. Um, Some of them hid themselves in tombs. Can you imagine Jewish people who had to be excluded from the community if they touched a dead body and yet they were so afraid of these Philistines that they would hide themselves alongside dead bodies in tombs. So fearful were they. And some of the Israelites even joined the Philistines and said, well, we're not going to beat them, so we better make sure we join them. And Saul is there at Gilgal and the legs of his soldiers are just shaking. Everyone's shaking. They are freaking out. And Samuel had said to Saul, you wait seven days and I'll come and offer the sacrifice and give you instructions. And Saul waited till the seventh day, but when Samuel hadn't come and he noticed that his men were starting to leave him, he did something very bad and he offered the sacrifice himself. Now, this shows us something about Saul. Because when Samuel arrived, he says, this is in chapter 13, verse 11, Samuel says, what have you done? What have you done? Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favour. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. This is what the Lord does in, as we read the scripture, the Lord will leave it until the last minute at times to see what's in our heart. Do you remember with Abraham? And God says, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice your only son, the one you love, the one I gave you. And it was just as he had the knife ready to go and the angel called out, don't touch the boy. And God provided the lamb. There was a goat tangled up in in a bush. But God left it to the last minute to see what was in Abraham's heart and so Saul Samuel didn't come to the last minute and we see what's in Saul's heart will he be obedient even if it means all of his men leave him or is his confidence somewhere else and we find that his confidence really is somewhere else he felt the need to have his soldiers with him even if it meant he would disobey the Lord And we can be like that, I reckon. Okay, I'll talk about myself. But Jesus says, don't fear what they fear. 
So is our confidence in people or perhaps a better alternative we see in Saul's son, Jonathan? So the story continues. Now the only weapons that were in Israel at that time were in the hands of Saul and his son Jonathan because the Philistines had such a hold over Israelite over the Israelites that they said we're not letting you have any blacksmith shops in your country you've got to come over to us if you want to sharpen your farming tools because they didn't want the Israelites to make swords for themselves so there's only two swords in the whole of Israel one with Saul one with Jonathan and so Jonathan decides to use his sword and he climbs up between these two rocky um, outcrops and he says to his armour bearer come let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few there's a huge difference here between Saul and Jonathan maybe Jonathan had heard the story of Gideon Because when the Lord chose Gideon, he said, Gideon, you've got too many men. I want you to get rid of some. And then he said to Gideon again, you've still got too many men. Get rid of some. And he's just ended up with this handful of soldiers. And in the end, this fantastic victory. And perhaps Jonathan was thinking of that story when he says, do you reckon God needs lots of men? I don't think so. We're talking about the Lord here. And his confidence was in the Lord. What difference does it make whether your confidence is in people or whether your confidence is in the Lord? It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. So that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the difference that faith makes. And so, Jonathan says to his armour bearer, we're going to wait and see what the Lord has to say about this. If they say, if we go up to these Philistines and they come down to us, then we'll know the Lord's not in it. But if they say, you come up to us, then we'll know that the Lord is in it, and we're going to go for it. So they go out, and they say, oh, look, here's the Hebrews coming out of their holes. Come here, come here, guys. We just want to show you something. This is how bullies talk. And uh, Jonathan rubs his hands together, and he goes up there on his hands and knees, and he starts dealing with these Philistines. And... um, And they start to fall to bits and they start to go into a panic. And Saul uh, is noticing that something's happening. There's kind of movement amongst the Philistines. What's going on here? They count how many soldiers they've got and they realise that Jonathan has gone out. And so Saul says, bring the ark of God here. We want to just check and see what the Lord has to say about this. So the priest gets ready to seek God's will on what's happening. And then there's more movement amongst the people. So Saul says, forget about it. Let's just go. And off he goes. And then he says, as Di read for us, now none of you are going to touch any food until my enemies have been dealt with. And he makes them swear an oath. Hmm. Here is another difference. Here is one of the differences that faith makes. If your confidence is not in the Lord, but rather in people, then you're going to be very hard on people. Saul was hard on people. Because he trusted in them to get him victory, 
He wanted to make sure they would give him victory. Don't you touch a bite of food to eat until you've got me my victory. Can you see the selfishness in it? And this is how when our confidence is in people rather than in the Lord, we do become hard on people. We might be overbearing and unreasonable in our expectations of people or we might be just so needy that we are just this black hole that sucks everything out of the people around us. The Pharisees were hard on people. Jesus said about them, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. What's Jonathan like? Jonathan said to his armour bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armour bearer right where? Behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armour bearer followed and killed behind him. Who went first? Jonathan. And you follow me, he says. He climbs up on his hands and knees. There's a huge difference between Saul who whips his people in front of him and says, you get me my victory. And Jonathan who says, I'll go first, you follow me. It's like the difference between the Pharisees and Jesus. Jesus lived a life of love. He poured himself out in love for his people and he invited others to follow him. Follow me. Jonathan's heart was not to get personal victory. He wasn't looking for a medal of honour after the victory. What was he after? He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. What was Jonathan's heart? His heart was for the people. He wanted to see the people saved. This is the difference that faith can make to my heart as to whether I'm hard on people or needy towards people or am I a person of love who is a blessing to people. Listen to this beautiful scripture from Galatians. You've got the Pharisees who are saying, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. You've got Jesus living the life of love. Come, follow me. And it continues on in the New Testament church. And Galatians saying to, uh, Paul saying to the church um, in Galatia, I don't want you to get burdened again by the do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Isn't the Christian life so wonderfully simple? We put our confidence in Christ and we live a life of love. What else? Saul was unstable. Wow. Boy, was he unstable. When he saw the panic in the Philistine camp, he says to the priest, um, bring the ark of God here, let's check it out. More movement in the camp. What does he do? Forget about it. Let's just go. 
Who are you listening to, Saul? Do you want to know what God says or not? Or are you just following what the people do? He doesn't know. His confidence is not in God. His confidence is in the people and he doesn't know what to do. He calls out this rash oath and puts the people in a very difficult position. We read later in the story when he finds God doesn't answer him. He says, well, we're going to go after the Philistines. And God does, and uh, the priest says, well, hang on a minute. Let's check with God, don't you think? <laughs> and Saul uh, says, okay, let's check with God. God doesn't answer him. Someone's done this. Whose fault is it? Whoever's fault it is, they're going to die. Finds out it's Jonathan. Jonathan, you are going to die. The men said, no way. Jonathan's not going to die. What happens? Jonathan doesn't die. (laughs) You see what's happening here? He's all over the shop. He doesn't think before he speaks and he doesn't consult the Lord before he acts. And this is the instability that happens through a lack of faith. We know this through James. James 1.5 says, "If, if, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is the life of Saul. He's unstable in everything he does because of his lack of faith. If you're going to ask God for wisdom, you've got to be ready to say, yes, Lord, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. You can't be saying, well, I don't know. Does God know what's best for me? Will I do what God says? Will I follow the people? What about Jonathan? We find in Jonathan this man who is steadfast. It's not a word you hear very often these days, so I'll whip out my thesaurus for you. Committed, devoted, determined, resolute, single-minded. This is what Jonathan does. He says to his armour-bearer, if they come down to us, we're not going to go any further with this. I really want to pick a fight with these Philistines, but I'm not going to do it unless the Lord's in it. If they call us to come up to them, we'll know the Lord's in it. And so once he finds that it's the Lord's will, he does it. That sounds pretty simple (laughs) compared with Saul's way of life, don't you think? Saul's method of decision-making sounds a little more complicated than that poor fella. Jonathan is steadfast. This is a result of faith. When we have faith, when our confidence is in Christ, then there is a steadfastness in our life, a singleness of purpose, a determination to do God's will. Listen to this famous verse from the Bible about faith and where it goes in the next verse. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, there is a beautiful verse for you. What's next? Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Strong, purposeful work is a result of beautiful confidence in Jesus Christ. This is how it works. Jonathan had it. Saul didn't. Who would you like to be more like? And then we have this amazing story. It just seems like Saul cannot deal with sin. He just doesn't know what to do. Once again, this is a result of what's missing in Saul's heart, and that is faith. Why was it that this victory, if you read to the end of the chapter that Di started reading for us, you'll find that Saul had trouble with the Philistines all the rest of his reign. Now, if he hadn't made that foolish vow to make it so that the men couldn't eat, then the victory may have been complete enough so that there could be peace in Israel. That's what Jonathan says, he's brought trouble on the land with this. So there was an incomplete victory. And then you've got the men, when they finally, the sun goes down, they're released from the oath, and they pounce on the plunder, and they slaughter the animals, and they're eating the meat with blood in it. I know some of you like your steaks with the blood still in it. But for the Israelites, this was strictly prohibited. If you eat the meat with blood in it, then you are making a serious violation of God's law because the life is in the blood, God says. God wants people to understand the importance of the blood. It's all to do with when Christ comes, in Christ's blood. But why are they woofing into this meat with blood in it? They're these poor, desperate men. Whose fault is it? And then there's Jonathan. And there's this secret thing. Jonathan has broken the oath that Saul has put his men under. He's dipped his staff in honey and they cast the lots to find out what this secret thing is that means that Saul can't hear from the Lord. And, and it turns out Jonathan's cast is uh, identified by Lot and Saul says to Jonathan, what have you done? What have you done? And one of the questions that kind of hangs in my brain is, why did the Lord identify Jonathan as the one who had done the wrong thing here. I think one reason might be that he's bringing this secret thing before Saul to say, Saul, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this secret thing that has come to light? What does Saul do with it? What have you done, Jonathan? And Jonathan says, I put my stick in a bit of honey and now I'm going to die. I wonder what tone of voice was happening there. It would be interesting to hear it. And Saul says, yep, that's right, Jonathan, you are going to die. I've said it, that's what's going to happen. He's just got no competence whatsoever to deal with sin. Instead of saying, what have you done, Jonathan? He should have said, what have I done to you, Jonathan? What have I done? What have I done? But when you don't have any confidence in God, you cannot look your sin in the face because you've got no way of dealing with it. Well, Saul could have dealt with it because he had already built an altar, the Bible says, and he had a priest. And he could have said, Jonathan, let's go. 
and we're going to make some sacrifices for your sin and for mine. But his head is just not there, is it? And it falls to his men to rescue him. And um, the ESV actually says that his men, the men ransomed Jonathan. Not a hair to his head, of his head, will fall to the ground today because he has worked with God and they ransomed him. Some of the commentators think that perhaps they paid, they paid off this, this kind of debt that Jonathan had incurred by violating the oath. We don't know. But the word ransom reminds us of someone else who has paid for sin, doesn't it? If you've got faith, then you are in a very good position to be very humble and real about your sin. Not like Saul. Jonathan says, yep, this is what I did, so now I'm going to die. The position we are in is, yes, this is what I've done, but Christ has died. And John, 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's Saul. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify from purify us from all unrighteousness. There's Jonathan. Who are you going to be like? Can you look your sin in the face? Yes, you can. Because you're not condemned. But you are in Christ. For your faith in him, forgiven, loved, accepted. And you can grow from there. When I look at this list, I think, okay, Dale Skews, who are you more like? As I read it, this always happens to me when I'm preparing a sermon. I always put myself in the shoes of the good guy. And I think, yeah, that's me. By the end of the sermon, I know a little bit more realistically. And I've had a chance to humble myself. And I think, yep, okay. I can see a fair bit of Saul happening there. But you know what I can do with that? I'm not condemned. I'm not cast out. But I come to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, just like that man in the gospel who wanted Jesus to help his son. Jesus said, anything is possible if you have faith. Because he said to Jesus, if you can, can you help my son? Jesus said, anything is possible if you have faith. And he said, I do believe, help my unbelief. And this is what I say to Jesus today. I say, Lord, I'm a lot like Saul, but I want to be like you. I want to be like Jonathan. Help my unbelief, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Let me move forward with you. Let's pray. Thank you, gracious God. Thank you. Thank you for what you have helped us to see today. And Lord, for all of the things that are going on in our heart and our mind today, Would you please guide us and by your grace help us to respond appropriately. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.